Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Why is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term going on guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your monday night raw post show for may 9th 2022 i am your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your monday nights wherever you may be I don't know what to say about this show tonight, man. You know, it's it really is getting to a point where I'm getting sick and tired of listening to myself complain. Sound like a goddamn broken record, man. This show, if they put any effort into this show, it wouldn't be as bad as what we get every single week. 
Now, by default, Monday Night Raw is by far and away blowing away SmackDown. SmackDown is just horrendous television every week. I don't know what happened to Friday Night SmackDown, man. They got their own fucking problems over there. And I know Monday Night Raw has their own slew of problems, but nothing is as bad as SmackDown right now. But Monday Night Raw, man, if they put just a little bit of fucking effort into the show, it wouldn't be as bad as what we get every single week. WWE did not announce anything for this show up until about 7 o'clock. I first seen the announcement of Cody Rhodes versus Austin Theory for the United States Championship. And I asked myself, why? Why do I have to watch a Monday Night Raw with that announced match already knowing what the outcome is going to be? We already knew there was one of two things happening with the announcement of that match. And neither one of these things was Cody Rhodes winning the United States Championship or Austin Theory beating Cody Rhodes and giving him his first loss in WWE. Back. I don't understand why we have to listen to this fucking announcement being made on social media. And then WWE gives us such a predictable fucking outcome. Then they want to know why nobody watches the fucking show. And then you'll have the E-drones complaining and making excuses that it's the NBA playoffs. It's not the NBA playoffs. If WWE actually gave you fucking compelling television on Monday night, maybe you'd switch back and forth. Maybe. WWE's giving you no option to switch back and forth. They're telling you to change the channel and don't come back. That's what they're doing. With a match like that, with a predictable outcome like that, there was only one of two things that was going to happen. One, one, Cody Rhodes was going to have Seth Rollins interfere and we're going to continue this feud going into Hell in a Cell, which we all kind of assumed coming out of the backlash pay-per-view with the way that match last night ended with Cody Rhodes hooking the tights and cheating to win. Or the other option, which I thought was going to be the case, was it was going to end in a disqualification and we were going to get the singles match between Cody Rhodes and Austin Theory turning into a tag team match with Cody Rhodes teaming up with Ali being that he was feuding with Austin Theory and Rollins teaming with Austin Theory, giving us that tag team back. I believe they were together, weren't they? Or maybe they, yeah, I think they were together, weren't they? Wasn't he with Buddy Buddy Murphy? I don't know. I don't even fucking remember what the fuck was going on. Needless to say, I thought Rollins was going to team with Austin Theory and go up against Cody and Ali. I thought it was going to be one of those situations. We got the DQ, we got Rollins interfering, and we got a match potentially happening at Hell in a Cell, part three between Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. What's the sense in watching the show? If you already know what the fuck is going to happen. The other thing that happened tonight is WWE gives us Bianca Belair and Asuka. In a championship contenders match. Here we go again. Another championship contenders match. 
WWE seemingly can't fucking put these things to bed and fucking let them die a thousand deaths. Championship contenders matches are fucking awful. It makes everybody watching the show look like a blithering idiot. They don't make sense. Why would you ever put your champions in a situation where they have to lose just to find a challenger for their championship? I don't get it. I don't get it. Bianca Belair and Asuka got put in a match. It was a championship contenders match. If Asuka beat Bianca Belair, she gets a Raw Women's Championship match. Not only does the contender match doesn't make sense, but Asuka hasn't done fucking shit. She just came back. The woman has been out for a fucking year. And WWE is giving her a championship opportunity against Bianca Belair. If she beats Belair, she gets a title match. On what fucking planet does that make any logical sense whatsoever? Or am I that fucking stupid that I'm complaining about this? I know I'm not stupid. I know Exactly how the show needs to go, and that is not it. What a fucking terrible, terrible writing staff. This creative sucks. Becky Lynch, even in this moment, complained about championship contenders matches not making sense. It's almost as if WWE knows they don't make any sense, but they continue to do it anyway. They had Becky Lynch scripted to say that championship matches don't make sense. So why are you doing them? Why? So fast forward to the end of the show. Bianca Belair and Asuka have their match, and the bell rings at 10.56 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, I don't know. I'm not really a historian when it comes to this shit, but please, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't this a first-time match between Bianca Belair and Asuka? First time that they're actually in the ring in a one-on-one setting, correct? So you'd think, and Becky Lynch has the fucking gall to say that their women's division gets more opportunity than the AEW women's division. The WWE women's division is far superior to the AEW women's division. Yes, come to me when the women's Owen Cup is completed. I want to see how much opportunity WWE then gives their women seeing Tony Khan book a fucking fantastic tournament on Wednesday nights leading into double or nothing. Please come and cry to me when the tournament's over and then tell me which women's division is presented better in the month of fucking May. Okay. Four minutes. Four minutes. These two women got four fucking minutes in the main event. And then I'm supposed to sit here and fucking not say anything about WWE and their fucking terrible writing. Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon are fucking mindless fucking idiots. Four minutes. But I'm supposed to take their women's division as better than every other women's division, right? I'm supposed to take their women's division serious. This is the Raw Women's Champion in the ring with Asuka for a fucking main event that should be main eventing the next fucking pay-per-view. Four minutes. Then Becky Lynch is out there with her fucking ridiculous sunglasses looking like a complete fucking idiot. Is WWE trying to make her as uncool as possible, man? 
My God, it is working. She looks ridiculous. Then they want to know why people shit on Becky Lynch all the time. Four minutes. The match ends in DQ. Becky Lynch is on commentary. She gets up. She trips up Belair. Ding, 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 ding. The match is over. That was your Monday Night Raw. That was your Monday Night Raw. You mean to tell me that you built this entire show around two matches that ended in DQ, and then you want people to sit there and anticipate next week's show and be excited about next week's show. You wasted everybody's time for three hours tonight, and they get away with it, and nobody will say a fucking word. It's disgusting, and it needs to stop. This show is fucking garbage. Complete and utter garbage is Monday Night Raw. This night, now Monday Night Raw hasn't been as egregious as it has been in the past this year, but my God, man, when they want to fucking shit it up on Monday night, they certainly know how to do so. This was a complete waste of my fucking time. They should be fucking ashamed of themselves. Four minutes. I don't believe it. Bianca Belair and Oscar got four fucking minutes, and you're supposed to ask me and want me to fucking sit there and be excited about what's happening next? My God, man, I can't wait for a fucking triple threat match between these three women. Great. Great. I want the one-on-one, yet Becky Lynch got to get involved somehow, some way to get her fucking precious back. Because she can't wait to take it to the fucking Shire and be with the little hobbitses. God, this show sucks. Nothing on this show really stood out to me, man. Kevin Owens is dressing as Ken Owens to pretend he has an older brother against Ezekiel. The Miz continues to bury Mustafa Ali. Omos and Bobby Lashley still continuing on Monday night. Alexa Bliss made her return with Lily the Doll. Oh, joy. Oh, joy. I can't wait to see Alexa Bliss on TV. And we may have another couple of names added to Nick Khan's budget cut list after tonight. One in particular that got buried by Alexa Bliss this evening. We're going to go over everything that we can tonight on Monday Night Raw. This is your post show. For May 9th, 2022, I am JD from New York. Thank you guys for joining me on your Monday nights, man. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, man. Sunday, we were live, not once, but twice. Off the script, episode 429, we talked about Roman Reigns. And the message he gave Trenton, New Jersey, man. Is he going away? Is he stepping away from WWE In the far distant future. And the far distant future may be after WrestleMania next year. Is Roman stepping away for Hollywood? We talked about it on Off the Script live Sunday afternoon. Go check that out. It is on the homepage. And we were live last night for WWE's pay-per-view, WrestleMania Backlash. Pretty decent show. It it was more of a SmackDown super show with Monday Night Raw instead of a pay-per-view. But we got through it. Some decent wrestling on last night's show. If you guys want my thoughts and everything that occurred on that show, go check out the live stream post show. It is on the channel right now. If you guys have noticed anything a little bit different with the channel, man, I've been uploading some clips. Seems to be paying off already, man. I want to welcome all the new subscribers to the channel. Going to give you guys a clip here and there to give you guys an update on what's going on with some of the top stories of the week. If it's big enough, 
I know a lot of people can't catch the live stream, so if you guys want some shorts, detailed clips, you'll be getting more clips throughout the weeks, man. So look forward to those and support if you can, man. I would really appreciate your support on those clips. So go check all that stuff out. I will not be live tomorrow night, man. We, we, we've been doing NXT 2.0. I ended that because the show is fucking terrible. I will not support something that's uh, that terrible on Tuesday nights anymore. We, we've been doing WWE 2K22, man. That's going to be the norm going forward on Tuesday night. I will still watch NXT because I talk about it on the live stream on Off the Scripts. But we're going to do the video game stuff on Tuesday. But I will not be live tomorrow night. I'm taking the night off. I'm going to be in Manhattan at Irving Plaza. I will be in concert with Symphony X. My second favorite band behind Alter Bridge. So I will be watching them live at Irving Plaza. I can't wait. It's my first concert since the beginning of the pandemic. I was actually supposed to see them two and a half years ago in Long Island for their 25th anniversary tour. So this is uh, pretty much... Picking up where I was supposed to see them. So I'll be there and I will not be live tomorrow. I may give you guys an extra before I get on the train and head down to Manhattan tomorrow. So look forward to that, man. We got some news that happened today. So I want to keep you guys in the loop about everything. So no live stream tomorrow night. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below if you guys have not done so. If you're new in the chat and here for the first time, and hit that subscribe button, man. We're here every single week live. And right now, by my numbers, we are number one in the community again, as always, for the Monday Night Raw post show, man. I appreciate you guys very much. Hit that thumbs up. I see 531 likes on the live stream right now. We need 1,000 minimum on tonight's Monday Night Raw post show. Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. Grab yourself a beer or your favorite beverage and hang out. Also, make sure you guys hit that join button down below and become a VIP right here on Off The Scripts. Channel members get those emotes in the chat. And my channel members, you see them in the chat, man. Everybody's got a green name with those colorful microphones next to their name. Those are my VIPs. So hit that join button, become a, a channel member and a VIP right here on Off The Scripts. And make sure you guys go and check out my sponsor for today's show, Honey. We are sponsored tonight by Honey. Join honey.com slash Off The Scripts. If you guys are doing any shopping online, you better be doing it with Honey, man. You're going to be saving a ton of money, and Honey's got you covered. Honey is the best place to save you some money online. Download the free web browser using our unique link. Join honey.com slash off the script, and go get your t-shirts at bonfire.com, the exclusive home of off the script. I'm working with Bonfire right now to get my Twitter profile picture on a t-shirt, man, so I should be hearing back from them sometime this week, but I think that would be an epic design, man. Bosch JD on a t-shirt with the off the script cap. Love it. Love it. I got Sal Rex to uh, thank for that design, man. He knocked it out of the park with that design. Let's start at the top, man. Monday Night Raw. Actually, you know what? I want to start with this news. I want to start with this news, man. This is absolutely egregious. WWE continues to get more and more pathetic as the weeks go on, man. They have this thing about them where they love manipulating the crowd the sound, and what we see. WWE is now splicing in old footage, old crowd footage, 
on their shows. Few fans watching last night's Backlash pay-per-view may have noticed that the company is now splicing in old footage at times during video packages, and WWE is not really shying away from this. It was especially notable during the video package for Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss at one point. You could see WWE superfan Brock Lesnar guy shown in the footage. The footage used was actually from the 2012 era of WWE when John Cena returned to Raw as the doctor of thugonomics during his feud with The Rock. Now, we all know this isn't a new thing by WWE. They did this with Roman Reigns up and down his fucking terrible babyface run. They man, I remember like it was yesterday, man. They manipulated some shit where fans were fucking booing him and they manipulated the crowd and some people in the crowd during video packages the following weeks to uh, make believe that people were cheering him or feel bad for Roman Reigns, felt bad for Roman Reigns. It's ridiculous how they manipulate all their footage and all their fucking crowds during these weekly shows. Now, this isn't a new thing. In fact, on the recent WWE Evil show about Stephanie McMahon, they inserted crowd shots from the Eddie Guerrero tribute show to make it look like fans were reacting to a 1999 segment with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Similar to what sitcoms do, WWE has done crowd sweetening for decades, dating back to the syndicated shows in the 1980s, and they would sweeten the crowd noise for the home video releases of their pay-per-view events. But it looks like they are increasing their old footage to add an extra feeling of crowd excitement to their current programming. You know, I get that this has been a thing. I'm not going to sit here and complain about why WWE's been doing this. They've been doing it forever. But the fact of the matter is, from a fan's point of view, someone like me and a lot of people here with me live tonight, you look at this and you start questioning why. And then you put all the pieces together of this terrible fucking puzzle that WWE's created for themselves here. And then the answer is right in front of you. WWE is pathetic and they are manipulating their footage and their crowd reactions because their shows are fucking garbage. Most of these crowds are dead silent. And it has to do with what's presented on TV. WWE wants to continue doing what they want to do. They want to continue putting the shit that they do on television. And then they expect people to fucking care because it's WWE, because it's World Wrestling Entertainment. It's SmackDown. It's Raw. But if you get people watching this show and you have given them the garbage that we've seen week over week over week over week and you see no reaction, it's not the fucking crowd's fault. It's WWE's fault. They are to blame for giving us subpar mediocre or mediocre television, mediocrity on television. And WWE, they expect everybody to find it to be exciting. And then when we catch this shit in fucking 4K, WWE wants us to think that Baron Corbin and Madcap Moss is some fucking blowaway program that everybody's excited about. How ridiculous does that look? How ridiculous does it look? It looks awful and it's pathetic. WWE must have had a field day in the Thunderdome, man. They were probably fucking heartbroken leaving the goddamn Thunderdome. They loved every minute of it, man. They 
They told you who to cheer. They told you who to boo. How loud the crowd was. How loud the cheers were. How loud the boos were. Chants all over the place. They could could pipe in anything they want. And they're still doing it. They're still doing it. I don't know if you guys watched SmackDown on Friday. There was a Sasha Banks and Shayna Baszler match. And during the match, I swear on my grandfather's tomb, it sounded like there was a let's go Ronda chant in the middle of the fucking Sasha Baszler match. Now, it sounded like that. I assumed there was a let's go Sasha chant, but the entire chant was conducted as if it was all 12-year-old girls. That's what it sounded like. It sounded like a piped-in Sasha Banks chant, and it was all children. WWE is pathetic. They are pathetic. Nothing is genuine anymore. Nothing is genuine anymore, man, and it's fucking sad. And then when they, they, when they want to know why people don't watch the show or why they're disinterested in the show or why nobody really hyped up Backlash, WrestleMania Backlash, right? You tag the WrestleMania name onto a fucking D-level pay-per-view and it's got no fucking buzz around it whatsoever. It's your fault. And it's your fault because it's your shitty fucking writing. And then you want to compensate for that shitty writing and pretend like you're not doing anything wrong by piping in fucking fake footage and fake crowd noise. Said. Said. They should be fucking ashamed of themselves, man. Really. That's the only news I got. We'll talk about the rest of the news tomorrow on OTS Extra. I got news on Charlotte Flair, why she's going to be out. Good riddance. Goodbye, Charlotte Flair. And I got news on Roman Reigns. A contract update with Roman Reigns. Apparently, he's taking a reduced schedule, which still doesn't really condone his speech at Trenton's house show in New Jersey. He's taking a reduced schedule for what reason? Because when he drops the fucking title, he's going to be filming some fucking movies to get his feet wet in Hollywood. That's why. Reduced schedule, my ass. A new phase in life is reduced house show schedule moving forward. I wonder why. I wonder why. WWE started Monday Night Raw off with the Tag Team Championship situation. Okay, bro. Still the Raw Tag Team Champions. Had a very fun six-man tag with the Bloodline and Drew McIntyre last night at WrestleMania Backlash. Riddle and Orton made their way to the ring. And we're getting a Street Profits versus RK Bro Tag Team title match, man. Wow. And everybody's asking... Why didn't they unify the tag team titles? I don't fucking know. This is what I was afraid of, man. You guys really want to sit there and watch this shit week after week after week after week. Another RK Bro and Street Profits match for the tag team titles, man. How many times this year alone have we gotten some form or fashion these two teams in the same fucking match it is utterly ridiculous but wwe didn't want to unify the tag team titles they gave us no explanation as to why roman reigns sent the usos to monday night raw and then the next couple weeks after that roman reigns is ripping up the fucking contract for the tag team unification match and shoving the fucking contract down matt riddle's throat no explanation whatsoever so here we are another rematch oh joy 
There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Orton's in the ring with Riddle. Orton said they gave it their all, but they lost to the bloodline last night at Backlash. Orton said it was supposed to be a tag team unification match, but Roman Reigns ripped up the contract. Orton said they want the Usos tag team titles, and they want to unify the tag team titles and become the undisputed tag team champions of the world. Oh, really? You didn't want to become the tag team champions before the fucking contract was ripped up? Nobody made a fucking peep when the contract got ripped up. All you did was go forward with the six-man tag team match because Fox told you to. Because Fox wants roster exclusivity on Friday night. Now, all of a sudden, we're getting a tease of a tag team unification match. Bruce, give me a fucking break, man. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. No way. No way, I'm not falling for this bullshit again, man. I'm not going to believe there's a tag team unification match until Mike Rome is in the fucking ring announcing that it's a tag team unification match and the fucking bell rings and we get a match started. I'm not going to believe it at all. Seems like WWE is backtracking on their original plan because their original plan was not their original plan and WWE's original plan was always the tag team unification match until Fox got their panties in a twist and they fucking complained to WWE because they don't want Monday Night Raw guys holding the SmackDown tag team titles or vice versa. They don't want nothing to do with the red brand. So here we are. Here we are. Seems like WWE is backtracking because their original decision was the right decision. And now it seems like they want to make good on that. But again, I can't trust them. I'm not going to trust them whatsoever with any creative decision as far as unification is concerned. So they want the tag team titles. Riddle said he and Orton will be going to SmackDown on Friday and demand that tag team unification match. Great. Again, I'll believe it when I see it. Riddle said, if Reigns says no, it'll go to show Reigns has no confidence in his cousins. He says he's going to show up with his scooter. Randy Orton is going to show up and just be Randy Orton because Randy Orton doesn't really need anything to show up with. He's just that good. Shree Profits interrupted and they come down the aisle. Montez Ford and Angela Dawkins walked out. And they talked about RK-Bro losing last night. Ford pointed out that they are talking about Friday, but we got next, says Montez Ford. He said they will be the tag team to unify the tag team titles. They got booed. RK-Bro is very much over. 
Dawkins said, RK bro, didn't mention their names once, so it seems like they're once again overlooking the prophets. He said their brains are all fogged up, and he made a very stereotypical 420 reference because Bruce tends to think, we don't know Matt Riddle likes to smoke. Riddle said, RKO 420 says, we just smoked your asses. I'm waiting for this to be on a t-shirt on WWE shop within the next 48 hours. Orton said, they'll do it with the three most dangerous letters in sports entertainment, RK Bro. So we got a tag team title match here. Wasn't bad. RK Bro is probably the hottest thing in all of WWE, and rightfully so. I'm looking at this match. I'm watching this match. I'm watching this match till its conclusion. And I say to myself, you know, I don't really care about the tag team division in WWE because there are no tag teams. But you can imagine what the tag team division would look like if WWE put as as much care into the division as they did and have RK-Bro. RK-Bro has been probably one of the best creative decisions in WWE over the last 10 years, easily. And if WWE gave the division any sort of importance and put any effort into the division like they've done RK-Bro, RK-Bro would be even better than they are now. And I'd love to see, man. They are operating on all cylinders. They are red fucking hot. I would love to see them have some legit competition in that tag team division, but WWE seemingly doesn't give a shit. We could have had this division merged already, but I'm assuming Fox did not want any going back and forth between the rosters because they're crying brand exclusivity. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. It doesn't make sense at all, and WWE hasn't made sense of it at all as to why the unification was canceled. Nothing made sense here. So that's what I'm leaning on. That's what I'm putting my fucking cap on. Fox didn't want the brand unification. So we got this match. Ford hit a flip dive on Orton, made a hot tag after the break. There was a spot where Riddle went for a dive off the ropes, But he wiped out Orton by mistake. Uh Uh-oh, he went for a floating bro. And he nailed Randy Orton on the outside instead. Ford gave Riddle a frog splash for a very close near fall. Orton broke up the cover. I legit thought that the Profits were going to win the tag team titles tonight, man. They took Randy Orton out with that miscue. Riddle was in the ring. He got spine busted by Angelo Dawkins. Montez Ford got the tag. He goes up top with the frog splash. I thought he was going to win the fucking titles. Randy Orton makes the save at the last second. So Montez Ford went up for another splash and Matt Riddle caught him with an RKO mid-frog splash off the top rope. Crowd popped huge for this. Randy Orton's smile was fucking great. He couldn't believe his eyes. He's like, holy shit, that's my spot. And here this guy is stealing my fucking spot, man, and popping the crowd like I usually do. It was a thing of beauty, man. Matt Riddle gets the RKO on Montez Ford in the frog splash coming off the top rope. One, two, three. And that was pretty much it for the RK bro team to retain the tag team championships, man. Again, the profits, no more opportunities for the tag team titles, man. This is it. They lost clean. They continue to lose. I don't know what's going on with them. They seem as directionless as anybody in the tag team division. I wonder if WWE is about to split them up. Certainly seems like it, man. They're getting a lot of indifference from the crowd right now. 
are the Street Profits. I don't think breaking them up is a good idea if you're going to fucking merge the tag team titles, maybe. I don't even know at this point. But there's no more shots. There's no more shots for the Street Profits, man. They've had so many opportunities and failed at all those opportunities. There's no more for them to get. RK Bro wins. They are awesome. They continue to fucking light the world on fire in WWE. Easily the top act. Randy Orton may be the biggest babyface in all of WWE right now. I see a lot of people claiming that it should be Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns going into the next pay-per-view. I'd like to see it, but they're not on the same brand. They're not on the same brand. I would love to see Randy Orton uh, at a high level on Monday Night Raw. I don't know if that's going to happen with or without Riddle, but you can almost feel that when Cody Rhodes eventually wins that that world championship, that Randy Orton is a tailor-made opponent for Cody Rhodes. So we're going to see Randy Orton at the top again in some way, shape, or form when Cody is the world champion because you know that's going to happen. It needs to happen if, you know, WWE wants to save anything on this fucking show. He's as over as anything as well in this company. And I do think that Randy Orton is going to get back to that top spot. It all depends on if it's going to be with Riddle or without Matt Riddle. But this was a decent match enough. No more rematches. I'm sick and tired of the tag team division in WWE. We need to move on and finally merge those divisions and get those titles to be one championship. Fox doesn't realize how bad this division is. Otherwise, they'd be all for it. Same thing with the women's division. We don't need two women's divisions. We don't need two women's titles. One division. If there's anything that you need to share, it's the women and the tag teams. Keep the top titles on separate brands. That's all you need, man. I get that they want roster exclusivity. I get that they want Ronda and they want Reigns and they want Lesnar and Cena and all these big names. I get it. But you can't hog the entire fucking roster all on Friday night. Friday night is absolutely dismal. It is awful. And if WWE wants to fucking rectify this by merging a division here or a division there, it is for the betterment of the fucking product. So just go and do it and let them do it. I don't understand how people think Fox suit and ties know better than WWE. I know better than WWE, but Fox probably knows less than WWE. They don't know what the fucking show needs. All they give a shit about is the numbers coming in. Meanwhile, the show that we're getting, it sucks. It needs to be a priority. Fix the divisions, and then we'll worry about the next thing. But fix this thing, worry about this problem, fix it, and then move on to the next thing. WWE shocked the fuck out of me tonight, man. WWE shocked the hell out of me. They brought back the early 1990s interview podium that they used to have on WWF Superstars. I'm looking at this and I'm like, this is fucking new. What the hell is this shit doing on Monday Night Raw? Now, I get that WWE doesn't want to use anything from the old school because they got to move forward with all the new tech and all the new pretty lights and all the new fucking uh, look and graphics of the show. But my God, man, I've said this for years. What is old is new again and would work in the current product. In some way, this is something that I want to see be a staple and have on the show. I want to see this continue on Monday night. The interview podium with Kevin Patrick interviewing Austin Theory tonight needs to be a common thing on the show. Whether it's Kevin Patrick, whether it's Kayla Braxton or fucking Sarah Schreiber, it needs to be a thing every fucking week. 
I loved it. I loved the camera angle of the performer being interviewed, overlooking the crowd with the ring in the background. I love it, man. If WWE keeps anything, I would keep that concept. So Kevin Patrick interviewed Austin Theory. Theory made his way out. Patrick X Theory, how he is preparing for his title defense against such a worthy opponent in Cody Rhodes. Theory X Patrick, do I look like I need to prepare? He then touted that he's the youngest United States champion of all time for a reason. He says he's already great and he's barely scratching the surface of his true potential. He told them to shut up the fans. He said he was practically in diapers the last time Cody was in WWE. He said he only cares about the future, not the past, and he is the future. He held up the United States title, and then he started cursing the fans out as his theme music played on the PA. I wish WWE would keep this as a regular thing moving forward on Monday night. I thought it was a very nice touch. Edge. Edge, Damian Priest, and the newest addition to the Judgment Day faction is Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley is the third member of Judgment Day. She joined last night at Backlash by helping the match or interfering in the match with Edge and AJ Styles. Now tying that series up at one win apiece for both of them. AJ Styles passed out thanks to Rhea Ripley. He was going for a 450 splash off the top rope. He was pushed off right into the arms of Edge waiting down below who made him pass out via a cross face submission hold. Rhea Ripley then revealed herself underneath the hood and she was officially the third member of Judgment Day. They are all here tonight to explain why Ripley has joined them and what their next mission statement is will be, and how they will continue moving forward with AJ Styles and Finn Balor now pairing up to battle them at some point in the future. So Edge is in the ring. Edge comes out with a new shaved haircut. No more do we have Edge having the long hair like we saw at Backlash. He cut his hair and showed up with a fancy new haircut, and I'm all, all short and slicked back. Now, I said it on social media tonight. It's going to take a little bit for me to get used to seeing Edge with short hair because I think he looks fantastic with the long hair. But I get why he shaved his hair, man. The presentation for this group, Judgment Day, and the way he did his hair tonight and cut his hair, it it actually fits perfectly. He now looks like a demonic, evil, fucking priest-like character, cult leader of a group with the slicked back hair, And I think he looks great, man. I think he's doing some great work, is Edge. And Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley, hopefully, are going to take this and really run with it. And Edge is going to make two brand new stars because of how great he is. So he's in the middle of the ring and said that they formed Judgment Day because they were tired of being sheep like all of you. He said catering to the fans got him a Hall of Fame ring. Big deal, he said. I'm bigger than the Hall of Fame. He says he's had surgery on every part of his body, but the fans didn't care when he made his comeback. You know, I get that somebody like Edge wants to get and generate the most heat. 
And I get something like that is going to piss people off, and that's exactly why he says it. But, my God, man, that could not be any further from the fucking truth. That could not be any further from the truth. We didn't care about his comeback. His comeback and him being in the Royal Rumble when he came back for the first time in nine years, man, people had tears in their fucking... I had tears in my eyes listening to that fucking music again and seeing him almost have tears in his eyes listening to the roar of 40,000 fucking people. Nobody cared about his comeback. I get he wants to be a heel, but Jesus fucking Christ, man, that and saying that is utterly ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. He accused the fans of being keyboard warriors, making stupid asinine comments. Well, that's true. Just go on social media. You see it done every fucking day. Edge said that they hold a mirror up to the fans. You don't like what you see because you are all ugly. He says they can look in any mirror and they love what they see. He said fans are morons for living in Hartford, Connecticut. And he said they don't seem to understand that no one can touch them. Priest then took the microphone and Priest sounded as better and as good as he's ever sounded in this moment, on this night, next to Edge, man. He sounded very believable. He sounded very intense, and he sounded very angry. So it's already paying off for Damian Priest, slowly but surely. Priest said he and Edge were capable of beating any of their favorites, but they're even more dangerous together. He said they've added an instrument of brutality, and he pointed at Rhea Ripley. He asked fans to rise, all rise for Rhea Ripley. Ripley then takes the microphone and said she watched Edge and Priest change for the better, and she wanted that for herself. So joining the Judgment Day was the easiest decision of her life. She said she's tired of signing autographs for fans who say they want to be just like her, only to have those fans turn around and sell them on eBay. She said that she has some unfinished business, and she talks about Liv Morgan. You no longer ride my coattails. She said she will destroy her and give her yet another reason to cry. So Rhea Ripley had one opportunity. WWE had one opportunity to let you know why Rhea Ripley joined Judgment Day, why Rhea Ripley aligned with Edge and Damian Priest. And this was the excuse that they gave Rhea Ripley to go out there and utter to us on Monday night. They had one opportunity to get it right, and they've already dropped the ball on Rhea Ripley. Now, as far as her promo and her presentation and her look and the attitude, she's got it down. I felt like she was going to make a better heel than a baby face anyway, so this is going to work out better for her than anything she's done so far. And We talked about this last night on the Backlash post show. This woman has been buried by Charlotte. This woman has been in tag teams with Nikki Ash. She's been in tag teams with Liv Morgan. She's been floating around in mid-card purgatory. She's been absolutely just castrated since being called up from NXT. Not one ounce of importance has Rhea Ripley had. This is the best she's looked, and this is the best she sounded. But that's the best you can come up with as far as a fucking excuse why you joined Judgment Day because you're upset 
at the fans and you're sick and tired of the fans signing autographs? Signing autographs for the fans because they want to be like her? And then you're tired of the fucking fans taking the autographs and going on eBay to sell them? That's your excuse. You had no other fucking excuses, no other complaints while being on the main roster for joining Judgment Day but that. That's your fucking excuse? You couldn't call back to the Charlotte feud, right? Couldn't call back to the Charlotte feud and complain about that. How Charlotte was the fucking reason for your downfall. Or WWE management pairing them with fucking Nikki Ash. Pairing you with Nikki Ash and Liv Morgan. Couldn't come up with any other excuses. You had a whole fucking sea of complaints there that were justified, and that's the one you went with. What a terrible fucking writing staff, man. My goodness. Instead of making it believable and making it legit and making it into a worked shoot, WWE goes for the most unrealistic fucking excuse in the book, and then you want me to fucking think and look at Rhea Ripley and... Say, oh my God, man, I, 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 I can't stand Rhea Ripley. I hate Rhea Ripley. Did everybody hate Rhea Ripley? Did the fans fucking complain about Rhea Ripley? Did they fucking have any ill will towards, towards Rhea Ripley? No. We had ill will towards the way she was treated by creative and the situations that they were putting her in. The fans always loved Rhea Ripley. My God. Like WWE copied the fucking CM Punk pipe bomb and fucking copied it word for word and put it in Rhea Ripley's promo. That's how lifeless they are. That's how uncreative they are. We don't have a viable excuse. Let's talk about what Phil Brooks said fucking 10 years ago and put it in Rhea Ripley's promo. It'll have the same effect. No, it wouldn't. No, it don't. What a ridiculous fucking complaint, man. My God. You had anything to choose from. You had a fucking plethora of things to choose from. And that's what you go and choose. I don't understand it. So she calls out Liv Morgan. And we're not finished yet. We're not finished yet. Great. Another Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley match. Awesome. Edge goes on to say that he's... You know, got these, this group and these, these two by his side. They're about to, the fans, about to realize unrealized potential. He said Priest is the punishment and Rhea is the eradicator. He said they were ships without a rudder, but he is their direction. They are now my saints of fate. He said a few weeks ago, he pulled Ripley aside and told her that Morgan was holding her down. She said that... She was an albatross around her neck, the shape of a human-sized LOL doll. He said he's the reason the fans' favorite tag team has now split up. He said he saw wasted domination in that woman, a juggernaut who was content to live in the slow lane instead of running over everything like she can. He said his movement is not done. We are looking for more. So who are they going to add? They're eventually going to add somebody else. Who that somebody else is, I have no idea. I have no idea. I know a lot of people are speculating that it may be Tommaso Ciampa, but Tommaso Ciampa is not lost. Tommaso Ciampa is a heel right now. 
And he got a very lukewarm reaction tonight in a match against Mustafa Ali. But he's not really lost. He's not lost like Rhea Ripley. He's not lost like Damian Priest. Who else is lost on this show that would join Judgment Day and fit in with the group? The only one that I could really think of is Ali himself. Or maybe Finn Balor. Finn Balor turning on AJ to join Judgment Day. Ali joining Judgment Day. I could see that. Maybe that'll work out better for him than being by himself on Monday Night Raw, getting no reaction and getting embarrassed every week. I don't know. But who else is fit for Judgment Day? If we want to look in NXT, maybe a Joe Gacy. There's really nobody else that would fit into the group. But everybody seems to think it's Tommaso Ciampa. Dominic Dijakovic. I've been calling Dominic Dijakovic's name out for weeks. He would fit into the group. Great. Let's get rid of the fucking gimmick. Let's get rid of the name. Let's go back and call him Dijak and get him in the fucking group. Can you imagine Damian Priest, Dijak, Edge, and Rhea Ripley? Sounds like a formidable fucking group to me. I think that would be awesome. That's who I would put in fucking Judgment Day. Not Champa or anybody else. Dijak, Dominic Dijakovic, T-Bar. That's who I would put in Judgment Day. But I don't think WWE is really up on that, man. I think Dijak may be on the budget cut list whenever that list is released. I don't even think they're thinking about that. That would fit like a fucking glove. So we'll see what happens. We got this match with Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan. Another rematch. Edge and Damian Priest were on the outside. Wasn't bad. It went about five minutes, and it went as you would expect. Rhea Ripley headbutted Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan was on offense. She headbutted Liv to stop the offensive flurry. Edge laughed at ringside because he obviously brought in Rhea Ripley to give Judgment Day a dose of brutality. So Ripley dominated for a couple of minutes. Morgan tried to come back with a flying dropkick. Ripley swatted her away out of midair and then applied a leg lock, uh, leg lock, and Morgan tapped out, and that was pretty much it. Liv Morgan, after the bell, was attacked by Rhea Ripley, and Edge smiled and mocked, tapping the mat next to Morgan. Finn Balor's music hit, and Balor walked out to the ring. AJ Styles then followed Balor. And we got Damian Priest versus Finn Balor in yet another rematch on Monday night. So we go from Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan to Damian Priest and Finn Balor again. Finn Balor here beats Damian Priest via disqualification. Balor set up for a dive. Ripley stood in front of Priest, so he stopped. So he was distracted by Rhea Ripley because he's not going to hit a woman. Edge suddenly speared Balor for the DQ, and Balor wins via DQ. Styles tackled Edge and fought off Priest. Ripley grabbed Styles, and he turned like he would punch her, but stopped and realized who it was. Styles then issued a warning before Edge speared him, and Judgment Day stood tall over Styles and Balor on Monday Night Raw as they all smiled and laughed in the aisleway. You know, I mentioned this on social media, man. I don't know where this is going. I know we'll probably get the eventual tag team match. Maybe we get the tag team match at the pay-per-view. We get Edge and Damian Priest versus Balor and Styles at Hell in a Cell. I'd go a step further. I'd go a step further with this, man. You know, I know it would be out of the realm of possibility because it's WWE and they probably wouldn't mix men in a women's match or women in a men's match. 
But I'm going into Hell in a Cell, and if this is continuing and we're getting this going into the pay-per-view, I know it would be out of WWE's comfort zone. But I would book Edge, Damian Priest, and Liv Morgan versus AJ Styles, Finn Balor, uh, Edge, R- Liv Morgan, Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley versus Finn Balor, AJ Styles, and Liv Morgan in a six-person tag team match inside Hell in a Cell. That's what I would do. Now, I don't know how you would do that, but that's what I would do. You could make it a Hell in a Cell. You could do the traditional six-man tag team rules, tag in, tag out, so the women get in there at the same time, and they're not in there with the men. I would do a Hell in a Cell six-person tag team match, and I would do that at the pay-per-view. That would be something different. And honestly, if we go for the next four weeks with this continuing, it may warrant a hell in a cell. It's just got to be brought up as far as the intensity factor is concerned. But I would do a six-person tag team match inside Hell in a Cell, and I would make that one of two Hell in a Cell matches for the entire evening. I don't know what else would be inside Hell in a Cell at this point. It looks like Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins would be inside Hell in a Cell because of the way the feud has continued on tonight's show. But I would do two Hell in a Cell matches, that being one of them, and it, it would be different, it would be fresh, it would be exciting, and I think it would honestly get all six of them over in a big way, and it would definitely enhance Judgment Day. I'd love to see it. But I know WWE is very uncomfortable with doing those types of things, and they don't really think outside the box. They like to stay in their safe zone. I wish for once they wouldn't. I wish they would do something different. That is something different. That's something I could get behind. And if it goes on into the pay-per-view, it may just actually warrant a hell-in-a-cell stipulation. So we'll see what happens. Moving on. Chad Gable used some scientific terms here to talk about Ezekiel and whatever is going on with Ezekiel and Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens was talking with Chad Gable and Otis. Gable said they confiscated a red cup from Ezekiel because he was drinking with the Prophets not too long ago backstage. They poured him a cold beverage. He says he sent it to some friends at his DNA lab. He knows people in the DNA lab. He said next time this week, or this time next week, he said, this time next week they'll have refutable evidence. Ezekiel has been lying all along. He said Ezekiel won't be able to lie his way out of this. Owens said his brother, Ken Owens, is a three-time Grand Prix winner. He said he's at Raw tonight to compete against Ezekiel. He then corrected himself and said Elias, because Ezekiel is Elias. He said his older brother is going to beat the truth out of him tonight. Gable and Otis were excited. Kevin Owens was excited because he has this DNA test next week. And we got Ken Owens on Monday Night Raw. I do not like where this is going. The level of cringe that this has now turned into is not making it fun anymore. Ken Owens, really? Did anybody expect anybody but Kevin Owens to come out? Come on. MVP. MVP was hosting a VIP lounge. My VIP lounge, right right there, is better than uh, MVP's VIP lounge, man. At least we serve 
the coldest of beverages here, man. We got some cool fucking people. We got over 700 VIPs on Off the Script. Make sure you guys hit that join button down below, man. Let's make our VIP lounge the place to be. So MVP has Omos out there. MVP's out there. He began talking about how ungrateful Lashley was when it came to their partnership. I doubt that very likely. Cedric Alexander all of a sudden came out and hyped up. He came out, hyped up. He was hyping himself up. He walked to the ring. MVP is in the ring with Omas. Cedric Alexander stops because there is a barricade to get into the ring because they're pretending it's a VIP lounge. The bouncers there won't let him in. MVP tells the bouncers to let him in. Cedric talked about how unstoppable those three are. MVP said, uh, excuse me, but who's us three? Cedric said, well, you, me, and Omas. MVP interrupted him and said, listen, I like you, but they are not a threesome. Lashley's entrance then interrupted. Lashley just plowed over these security guys, got in Omas's face mid-ring. Omas shoved Lashley. Lashley shoved Omas over the top rope. Lashley then turned to MVP. Cedric Alexander leapt onto Lashley's back, so MVP escaped. Uh, and Cedric springboarded off the top rope at Lashley, but Lashley caught him and put him in a hurt lock. MVP and Omos then kept their distance as Lashley kind of took over the rest of the segments of the MVP VIP lounge. So it looks like we are getting yet another continuation of Omos and Bobby Lashley. I don't know who in their right mind is interested in what is going on with these two right now on Monday night. I think we've heard enough and seen enough of all three of these people, MVP, Lashley, and Omos, to a point where I don't want to see it ever again. Ever. Give me a fucking break. It's almost as if WWE can't get enough of doing rematches. Maybe Bobby Lashley went to fucking management and said, Vince, I'm not putting this guy over on pay-per-view again. I don't want to continue this into the next pay-per-view. Please blow this shit off and put me in something worth my time. Adam Pierce. Let's get to the good stuff now. Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville. By the way, Cedric Alexander, no doubt in my mind, that man has a Johnny Ace phone call coming to him in the next couple weeks. No doubt about it. Speaking of Johnny Ace, Adam Pierce and Sonia Deville were talking backstage. Deville says she's heard enough about an internal investigation. She said she is doing everything by the book, either as an in-ring competitor or a part of management. Pierce said there can't be any rule changes mid-match. He says they need to have a conversation. Deville said, Listen, we can have a conversation after my match tonight. I need to focus on my match tonight. Pierce said, well, you'll face somebody of high quality. As he was about to reveal the name, she said, listen, I need to get out to the ring. We'll talk after. I can't talk to you right now. She said, it's nothing personal. It is just business. So she left. Adam Pierce is standing there alone. He didn't get to reveal to Sonya Deville who the opponent, the mystery woman, the mystery opponent was going to be for Deville tonight. So Sonya Deville made her in-ring entrance, came down the aisle. She's in the ring. 
All of a sudden, we get Alexa Bliss making her return to Monday Night Raw. She comes down. She's got her old theme music, the goddess theme music. She's carrying Lily the Doll. Lily the Doll is back. Now, I know a lot of people are sick and tired of Lily the Doll. But if you guys remember the the little therapy sessions that Alexa Bliss did, the doctor in those segments gave Alexa Bliss a new Lily the Doll and then said to Alexa, I want you to take this doll wherever you go. So at least we got somewhat of a conclusion. We got Alexa Bliss coming out of those therapy sessions Shedding the fucking playground bliss character, the fiend bliss character. We got the goddess Alexa Bliss back. And the doctor gave her the doll and told her to take the doll wherever she goes. And she has the doll. Now, if I see this woman start speaking to the doll and asking doll questions and consulting with the doll on what to do, then we have a fucking problem. But if the doll is going to be used as just Alexa Bliss, the the little blonde goddess, you know, and her fucking love for the stuffed doll, fine. It's innocent, it's harmless, and it's not going to bother anybody. But if the doll starts staring at fucking people, or if the doll possesses her at some point, or if the doll asks, asks her to fucking throw fireballs in the ring, whatever the case may be, no. No more. We are overall the childish, hocus-pocus, fucking Harry Potter bullshit, okay? Nobody wants to see it. Leave the fucking wizardry to uh, Becky Lynch, man. Leave her to fucking Lord of the Rings and keep Alexa Bliss the way we saw her tonight. Now, Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville was challenging for the Raw Women's Championship just a couple weeks ago against Bianca Belair. Signed the contract and everything. Sonya Deville manipulated the, the system to get a title shot against Bianca Belair. A couple of weeks ago, this woman was in line for a Raw Women's Championship match. Tonight, she's in a match with Alexa Bliss, and this was a absolute fucking squash. This was a squash bigger than any squash that I've seen in recent memory. Pierce came out before the match started. He announced on the stage that he was trying to tell her that because of the internal investigation, her contract as a WWE official has been terminated. He said she is still, and I quote, an active WWE superstar. Bliss made her way down to the ring. Like I said, she was carrying Lily the doll. Bliss, this was the entire match, and I kid you not, DDT, Twisted Bliss, Less than a minute, Sonya Deville was fucking buried. Alexa Bliss smiles. She walks off. Deville was crying over the fact that she lost. Less than a minute. Less than a minute. Everybody wanted to see Alexa Bliss back on television. I don't think this is the best way to introduce Alexa Bliss back to television. She wanted to be back on television. She wanted solid plans for her return. I don't think this really constitutes as solid plans for Alexa Bliss and a return to Monday Night Raw. But she's back. She's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Alexa Bliss, 60 seconds. That's all she's worth. That's all I think I can handle as far as Alexa Bliss being in a fucking ring. 
I think Alexa Bliss is better as a heel. I'm going to get very bored very quickly with babyface Alexa Bliss. I just can't bring myself to fucking care, man. I don't give a shit at all. The bigger story to this is Sony Deville, like I said, two weeks ago was challenging for the Raw Women's Championship. And this was somebody that was just challenging for the Raw Women's Championship buried in 60 seconds. Does Sonya Deville have a phone call coming from Johnny Ace in a couple of weeks? Certainly felt like it to me. Why would WWE some why would WWE bury somebody like Alexa Bliss, who was in a management position all these years, and then just challenged for the Royal Women's Championship just a couple of weeks ago? Why would they bury somebody like that in 60 fucking seconds to a returning Alexa Bliss? Looked very off tonight, man. Felt very weird tonight. Maybe, maybe this was a sign that Sony Deville may be getting her termination papers somewhere down the line. I don't know. I don't know. Looks like she may have a phone call coming, man. Oh, Sony Deville. We're, we're gonna we're gonna wish you well in your future endeavors. Don't worry, honey, it's not you, it's us. Budget cuts. Good luck in your future endeavors. People power. People power. Goodbye, Sony Deville. Sony Deville is somebody that could really be a top contender for the championship, and WWE made her feel less than Dana uh, Dana Brooke tonight. Maybe I'm looking at it all wrong, man. I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. That's your fucking homework tonight. Anybody watching the stream after the fact, that's your fucking homework. Do you feel like I do watching Sony Deville? Do you think Sony Deville may be on our way out of WWE? Sound off in the comments below. Ezekiel. Ezekiel was in the ring. He was excited for the fight with Ken Owens. Mike Rome introduced Ken Owens, the older brother of Kevin Owens. This was basically Kevin Owens coming out in a gray wig and a gray beard. Cringe. Love KO to death, but this was, this was fucking terrible. This was silly. So KO introduced himself to Ezekiel, or Ken Owens. I guess, I guess it's KO. Ezekiel said, okay. So Ken Owens said he's just trying to prove a point, or KO is trying to prove a point. He said nobody is buying that he isn't Elias and that he is actually Elias's younger brother. He said anyone who calls him Ezekiel is just playing along. He asked the fans if they believe he is actually Elias's younger brother, when some fans in the arena cheered, he asked if any of them went to high school. He ranted that all those fans are liars. Ezekiel says he doesn't think his younger brother, Kevin Owens, would appreciate it. KO yanked his wig off and admitted that he is Kevin Owens and not Ken Owens. He told Ezekiel to admit he's Elias. Ezekiel said this would be the perfect time for his brother Elias to come out and sing him a song to calm him down. Owens then attacked Ezekiel. Ezekiel fought back. Otis and Gable charged out and went after Ezekiel. Ezekiel fought them off for a little bit, but Owens gave Ezekiel a stunner. Otis, Gable, and Owens stood over Ezekiel. So next week, we're getting the DNA test. Maybe this will end next week, and I hope to God it does. Oscar. Oscar was backstage. Adam Pierce was telling Asuka that she is deserving of the opportunity that she's getting. Why? Why? 
She's done nothing. She's been in a six-woman tag. She's done nothing to get an opportunity at the Raw Women's Championship. But here we are. She's in a match with Bianca Belair. Liv Morgan got the victory in the six-woman tag team match, not Asuka. I'm failing to see how Asuka deserves an opportunity when she's just come back from a 12-month injury. But I'm the one who fucking complains every fucking week. Yet you're, you're, you're sold on mediocrity on Monday night. So Lynch walked in and said, deserve is a funny word. Peter said Asuka's team beat Lynch's team in a six-man tag last week. Lynch said Asuka didn't get the win. And the team got the win over Pierce's friend, Sonya. She accused Pierce of orchestrating this whole thing. As she talked about handing over her title two years ago, Pierce went on to say, well, that was a long time ago, Becky. He walked away. Lynch said they can stack the odds against her, but she'll, but she'll knock her down and it'll make her come back even better. Asuka mocked Lynch's whining about everything since she has returned. These two acted like two fucking geeks out there. They tried their hand at being funny and being comedic, and none of it was funny. Asuka looked like a fucking dumbass. Becky Lynch sounds fucking terrible. They both look fucking terrible. WWE just doesn't know how to make anybody feel cool. Becky Lynch looks ridiculous. I don't know what the fuck she's turned herself into, but my God, man, if you look up the word uncool in the dictionary, you're going to find Becky Lynch's name and picture right there next to the fucking definition of that term. Awful. Nobody deserves a fucking title match on this show. Nobody. Not Sony Deville. Not Liv Morgan, not Doe Drop, not Nikki Ash, not Becky Lynch, not B, not Oscar, not Carmella, not Zelina, not Dana, not Tamina, nobody. But here we are. Championship contenders matches yet again on Monday Night Raw. They are counterproductive. Why must you put the champion at a disadvantage so that you can find an easy opponent for them? Why don't you have Asuka beat people in the division to get some fucking wins after being off the show for about 12 fucking months? Don't you think that would make sense? Or do wins and losses don't matter here? Cody Rhodes seems to think that they do. What a ridiculous fucking concept. Veer Mahan. Here we go with the squash matches every week with Veer Mahan. Today, the poor sap that he beat, his name was Frank Lohman. This guy looked like a fucking Wardlow ripoff from Wish.com. That's what this guy looked like. He looked like a mix of, of fucking Colt Cabana and Wardlow. Fused together. If Colt Cabana and Wardlow were fused together, this was Frank Lohman on Monday Night Raw. So this guy was interviewed. They now are interviewing these fucking geeks that they're bringing in to job out to, to Veer Mahan. He says he has triplets at home. Why did he take this match with Veer Mahan? He has triplets at home and a wife at home that are depending on him to really bring home the money. That was his excuse. 
He has three kids and a wife, and he needs to do this for his family. Veer Mahan said, all right. Whatever you want, Frank Lomen. Bargain basement Wardlow. Fucking make a wish. Cult Cabana. No problem. No problem, says Veer Mahan. Lomen landed a boot. He actually got some offense on Veer. Back elbow to the face. Veer shook it off. Big crossbody block by Veer Mahan. Splashed him in the corner, clotheslined him, and then applied the cervical clutch. This went about 90 seconds. And Frank Lomen can go back home to his triplets and his wife with a fucking stiff neck. Frank Lomen got brutalized by Virma. How many fucking squash matches are we going to have to sit through with Virmaha? Is Rey Mysterio really that hurt? Man, they must be fucking egging this shit on, man. They must be milking this shit for all it's worth. Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio out because Virmahan brutalized them. When are we getting Veer's first legit opponent? Now, what you're doing here is wasting all of our time. Every squash match that we see and every major name that's not in there with Veer Mahan building him up, this is only going to get boring. Now, what I'm thinking is I don't think Veer can really go. If you put Veer in there in a big-time situation against a major name or a semi-major name and he's not able to hold, uh, hold up his end of the bargain, what, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? How many more weeks in a row can you give us Veer Mahan squashing somebody before it gets fucking boring and the crowd doesn't give a shit? They already don't give a shit. WWE is already ruining Veer Mahan on Monday night, and this guy's not even there for a fucking month yet. Kevin Patrick was interviewing Cody backstage. Patrick congratulated Cody on his win over Seth. He said, what's next between them? Cody says he hopes nothing is next. He said Seth is top five in the world, but he walked away with that moment, the money, and the victory. He said as far as he's concerned, that chapter is closed. He said theory is brimming with potential, but potential is like gold in that you have to dig to find it. He said nothing sounds better to him than the American nightmare, the new United States champion. Listen, Cody, boss, I, I don't want to see you as the United States champion. I don't think anybody wants to see you as the United States champion. That's the wrong winged eagle that's going to be around your waist, bro. The, the real winged eagle that we want is the 1980s, 1990s WWF winged eagle championship, the Hulk Hogan era championship. That's the winged eagle that should be around your waist, not the fucking United States title. I did not understand why this match was made. I don't understand why this match was made. This is a this is a creative situation where WWE has nowhere to go. Their backs are against the wall, and there's no right outcome here. Austin Theory is the United States champion. He just won the title. He's Vince McMahon's hand-chosen guy. He's not losing the title, right? Cody Rhodes can't take a loss. If he didn't lose to Seth Rollins, he's certainly not losing to Austin Theory. There's no way out of this. So why are you booking a match that does not at all have a fucking outcome. You already are giving the fans a glimpse into the outcome as soon as the match is announced. DQ. Everyone on social media made a fucking meme out of it. DQ. It's either going to be a DQ with Rollins setting up the Hell in a Cell match at the pay-per-view, or it's going to be a DQ that leads to a tag team match, and Ali's going to get involved because Ali, in theory, had something going on, and Rollins, in theory, would team up against Ali and Cody. 
in the main event. That was it. That was it. Now, that didn't happen. But we got Seth Rollins interjecting himself and continuing the Rollins and Cody feud going into the pay-per-view. This was by far and away the best thing of the entire show. Cody Rhodes is the best thing about Monday Night Raw. Color me fucking blue. Shocked. Theory. This was going to be a great test for Austin Theory. The only thing of note here, and the only ounce of positivity I could say about this, is that Austin Theory looked good in that ring against Cody. I could see this being a legit world title feud somewhere down the line when Austin Theory is ready for that spot, and I could see these two putting on a banger of a match. This was great. It went almost 14 minutes, these two guys. So it was a good match. It just was a match that didn't make any sense. So Theory was in control for a couple of minutes. He mocked Cody with the Stardust cartwheel and the Stardust hand gesture. So Theory countered a kick and cleared the announce table off at some point in the match. Rhodes fought back. He went for a move on the table, but Theory kind of went back into the ring and scattered back into the ring. Theory regained control during the commercial break with a clothesline before both guys collided with a running crossbody attempt. So Rollins and Cody did that at the pay-per-view last night, and here they are doing the same spot. The clothesline turned Cody inside out. Rhodes came back with a running forearm and a power slam for two. Rhodes followed with a moonsault off the top rope. He goes for the cover and only gets a two-count. Theory responded with a cross-legged neckbreaker, a modified Yushigoroshi by Austin Theory. Rhodes hit a disaster kick. He came right back with the Cody cutter. Then we got a close-up angle of Cody Rhodes, and it made it obvious what the fuck they were doing because they did this close-up of Cody, and then all of a sudden you see the crowd kind of get, oh, my God, and Seth Rollins interferes in the match and causes a DQ. Seth Rollins ran down and attacked Cody from behind. Our second DQ of the evening up until this point. We already had one with Edge and Finn Balor earlier in the evening. Rollins laid out Rhodes with a curb stomp on the announce table, and apparently Rollins is now... Psychotic Seth Rollins. He can't get over the fact that he lost to Cody not once unprepared and then twice prepared. And now they may be going into hell in a cell in a hell in a cell match. Cody versus Seth should be a banger. They have given us classics already. So we may be getting a hell in a cell match out of this come the next pay-per-view. Again, WWE tries to book... Cody and Theory thinking that, oh, it's going to be a good match. But everything you did for 14 minutes was squandered because you gave us a fucking predictable outcome with Cody and Seth Rollins continuing going on into the next pay-per-view and Rollins causing a DQ. Now, I don't know what we do as far as what we do for this feud and how we get to the feud going into Hell in a Cell. I'm assuming we get that tag team match that I mentioned. Maybe Ali and Cody team up against Rollins and Theory. Maybe we get uh, Theory and Champa. I, I don't know. or, or uh, I don't know. So, something along those lines. Ali and Cody teaming up against Rollins and Theory makes sense to me. It's a nice filler match to fill in a week of television before we get to the pay-per-view and before we get Cody and Rollins inside the Hell in a Cell. What else can we do? Seems like WWE's already running out of steam with this shit. You got four more weeks to tell this story, and what else could you possibly do? But the one thing that I did ask 
is that if you're gonna if you're gonna do it inside Hell in a Cell, it needs to really take what we've done so far and kind of amp up the intensity. If you're going to give these two guys a Hell in a Cell stipulation, it really needs to warrant a Hell in a Cell. How we get there, I don't know. It seems like WWE has started that process tonight with now Rollins becoming a little bit obsessed and a little bit psychotic about beating Cody Rhodes. So we'll see what happens. But my God, man, can we lay off the predictability? Sometimes predictability can be good. This is a bad type of predictability. I don't know why WWE loves to waste our time, man. Everybody made a fucking meme out of this on social media. Everyone knew what the outcome was before we even had Monday Night Raw air on the USA Network. Women's tag team match. Sasha Banks and Naomi. They beat Dodrop and Nikki Ash in about four minutes. I don't know why we had this match tonight. You could have given this four minutes to fucking Bianca Belair and Asuka, so at least it would have went ten minutes. Wasted time. Doe drop was in control. Nikki lost it when she took too long to pose. This allowed Naomi and Banks to knock Doe drop from the ring apron and hit Nikki with their double team finisher for the win. After the match, Doe drop was yelling at Nikki about uh, her dressing like a superhero and not taking any of this seriously. So, so clearly, they got some sort of mini storyline going on here with Doe drop. And potentially, Dodrop forcing Nikki Ash out of the fucking stupid superhero gimmick. But that remains to be seen. Who knows what is going to happen and when that's going to happen. Before long, we may see Nikki Ash on the unemployment line. I have no idea. WWE's not afraid of ending fucking storylines and angles in the middle of them. We've saw that. We, we've seen that on NXT television. They don't give a shit. They don't give a shit if you're in the middle of something or not. They'll fucking dump you if they don't want you. So we have to see if Nikki Ash is not on Johnny Ace's fucking uh, phone log or if she's going to go and transform herself into something a little bit more serious. The idea of Nikki Cross and Dodrop as a tag team makes sense. I like the makeup of that, but you're only doing it because there's nobody else in the division for Sasha and Naomi to go up against. They're going to beat Natalia and Shayna Baszler, and when they do that, then they have nobody else. So WWE is randomly pairing all these women together when they need to, and before long, there's going to be nobody else left to pair because you would have run through everybody at that point. What a waste of time. This match did not need to happen tonight. You could have given this four or five minutes to Bianca and Asuka in the main event so it didn't last three fucking minutes. Champa, he defeated Mustafa Ali. Miz was the special guest referee here. Champa and Ali did not get ring entrances. Keep that in mind. Champa did not get a ring entrance. This was his debut match, I believe, on Monday Night Raw, right? Since he's got called up full time. And Ali did not get a ring entrance, which lends itself to what I've already talked about. WWE only brought him back to embarrass him on national television. There is no plan for Mustafa Ali on Monday Night Raw. None. If you think there are plans for Monday night uh, or Ali on Monday Night Raw, you are a complete blithering idiot. Miz, this entire match, every time Ali got the advantage and went for a cover and thought he had the match won, Miz would completely slow count Ali's pin attempts. Champa was in control. Ali fought back. They had a back and forth exchange that led to Ali hitting a super kick in a springboard DDT. Ali seemed to have it won, but Miz took way too long. So Champa kicked out. Ali argued with the Miz. 
Champa hit a reverse DDT. Miz did a fast count, and Champa won off of Miz's fast count and off of a reverse DDT. Miz escaped, and Ali looked on disgusted as he sat there in the middle of the ring. I don't understand why Ali was even brought back to television if this is the best that you got. He was clearly feuding with Austin Theory over the United States Championship. It seems to me that WWE is moving on from Ali and Theory to now Ali and, Ali and Champa, and he can't even beat Champa. This makes, now, since he's come back, he won that match against uh, The Miz in his first return back. He's lost every match since that win. Since that first week he was brought back, he's lost every match he's had on Monday Night Raw. Does that spell like a plan to me or you? I don't think so. Does that reek of fucking plan to you? It reeks of burial, if you ask me. Why is he even there? They brought this guy back to fucking kill him off and then bury him and release him. That's what they're doing. And Champa getting no entrance? Come on. Come on now. He should be a major player on this show. Champa should be given a nice little role on this show. The fact that he doesn't get an entrance, that doesn't really bode well for what WWE thinks of Tommaso Champa. They're wasting his fucking time. They aired the Lacey Evans video that we saw on Friday night on Monday Night Raw right before the women's main event. Why? Why? Why do we need to see Lacey Evans on Monday Night Raw? Why do we need to see this fucking cringe when we can't get it off our television fast enough on Friday night? She's not even a part of the Raw roster. Who gives a shit? WWE now is showing this across both shows, and they are going to drive this woman's story into your face and down your throat to a point where it is never going to get over. I don't care. It is fucking awful. The fucking fakeness of it. It doesn't even sound real. The fake crocodile tears. My God. Yes, I can't wait to see the fucking Lacey Evans Express run wild on fucking Monday night and Friday night. Give me a fucking break, man. Holy shit. Ronda Rousey just beat Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship, man. Think about who's on that show. Are they really going to go and give us Lacey Evans versus Ronda Rousey? My God, man, I can't, I can't, I can't wait to reach for the remote control and mute every fucking segment. Seriously. What an awful, awful idea. Nobody wants to see this on Friday. Why would you even dare to put it on Monday? Main event, we got Asuka versus Bianca Belair. Before that, we got Bobby Lashley challenging Omos next week on Monday Night Raw to a steel cage match. Steel cage match. Correct me if I'm wrong, folks. Didn't we get a steel cage match on Friday Night SmackDown two weeks ago with Sami Zayn and Drew McIntyre? Now, that didn't even make sense to me, but they made it make sense because Sami Zayn kept running away and... They tried to put them in a steel cage, and he can't run away in a steel cage, so they lock both guys in a steel cage. But the, the, the whole thing, the whole rigmarole, is Fox got a steel cage match on Friday night with Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn, right? So we got a Friday night steel cage match two weeks ago. Somewhere in the last two weeks, three weeks, 
Monday Night Raw, USA Network, NBC Universal, cried to WWE, well, why, why, did, why, why did they get a uh, steel cage match over on uh, Friday Night SmackDown? Uh, can we get our own uh, steel cage match on Raw? That's exactly what happened. They got a steel cage match on Friday night. NBC Universal got their fucking panties wet and cried like bitches to Monday night to uh, Vince McMahon from Monday Night Raw. They want a steel cage match of their own on Monday night. So they opted to give them a steel cage match like, like Friday Night SmackDown. But this time with Omos and Bobby Lashley. The other thing that doesn't make sense is we have a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view four weeks from now. We just had a steel cage match on SmackDown two weeks ago. We're getting another steel cage match next week on Monday Night Raw, which would make three weeks before Hell in a Cell. Why do we need another cage match three weeks before we get fucking at least two cage matches on pay-per-view? Talk about killing a fucking stipulation. Does this feud need a steel cage match? Does Bobby Lashley and Omos need a steel cage match? The answer is no. They don't even need a fucking ring. They don't even need to be on television. Nobody gives a shit. But here WWE is putting them in a steel cage match because Fox, fuck off. Main event. Main event. I wrote this down. This is exactly what had happened. I'm asking myself, why, 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 why? And I'm looking at my fucking cable box, and I see Monday Night Raw have Becky Lynch come out at 10.50. Becky Lynch makes her entrance at 10.50. She looks utterly ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous with those fucking glasses she was wearing. Man, what a fucking goofball. Becky Lynch makes her way out to the ring to sit at the commentary table at 10.50 p.m. Asuka makes her way down to the ring at 10.53. Bianca Belair makes her way down to the ring at 10.54. The bell rings at 10.56. Four minutes. These two women, first time ever on Monday night with Bianca Belair as the Raw Women's Champion. First time these two women are in the ring in a singles capacity. They got four minutes on Monday Night Raw. Asuka counted a KOD into an armbar. Belair hoisted Asuka up into a powerbomb. Lynch then attacked Belair. She got out of her seat at the commentary table after I hear, had to hear this woman fucking squeal and moan on commentary. My little hobbitses! Gets up from the commentary table, trips up Belair, and there we got our third disqualification of the evening, Bruce. Great. Great. Lynch also attacked Asuka. Belair went to go check on Asuka as Lynch backed away up the ramp, and Monday Night Raw went off the air. Absolutely a complete waste of fucking time. But WWE and Becky Lynch want to tout that their women's revolution and the women's division is the best ever and that they're better than AEW and that they're far superior than every other women's division in all of pro wrestling. Bullshit. Becky Lynch is terrible. 
And they wasted this match that could main event any fucking pay-per-view in WWE that's not named WrestleMania, right? And they wasted this match. Nothing remains special in this cup. Why did you give this match away when this is clearly your next women's championship match? Why? Why? I don't understand how you just willingly give shit away and not have an ounce of fucking care in the world. How dare you waste everybody's fucking time by having Becky Lynch out there and the fucking notion is staring us all right in the face. Four minutes to go on before the show goes off the air. Becky Lynch is out there. What the fuck is going is going to happen? What do you expect to happen? Speculant's going to be out there with fucking balloons and a fucking keg of beer, and they're they're all going to go to the fucking pub later. What's going to happen? Speculant's going to invite Bianca Belair and Oscar over to have fucking drinks and WWE 2K sessions all night. The fuck is going to happen? God, this show sucks. You were better off going off the air after the fucking Cody match. I don't know why Cody and Austin Theory didn't fucking main event. This is your main event? I don't know why Cody didn't main event the show. I much rather would have seen Rollins go off the air with Cody and beating the shit out of Cody. That should have ended the show. No, but let's give Bianca Belair the Raw Women's Champion four fucking minutes against Asuka. Asuka doesn't even belong in there. She don't deserve a fucking opportunity, man. Jesus fucking Christ. The fuck has she done, man? She breathes after 12 months. Yep, you deserve an opportunity at the Raw Women's title. You're going to get an opportunity. This show sucks. This show sucks. Becky Lynch sucks. The women's division sucks. Their fucking booking of the division sucks. God, I fucking hate this show. Wasted our time, man. Why? Then you want to bitch and moan. Then you want to bitch and moan. It's the NBA playoffs. Fuck out of here. NBA playoffs, my fucking ass. Nobody watches this shit because of the fucking shit that you were watching tonight. This is what you get on a weekly basis. No, but it's the NBA playoffs while the show sucks. Where the NBA playoffs while the ratings are fucking down. Fuck out of here. What a fucking embarrassment. Going to go off with the Super Chats now in just a second. <sighs> My God, man. You want to piss me off? Give me an ending like that, man. Seriously. Thank you guys so much for hanging out tonight, man. Follow me on Twitter at JD from NY206. Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Continue to hit that thumbs up, guys. We need a thousand minimum on OTS, man. I see 866 likes. Let's try for a thousand. If you guys are in the chat and have not hit the thumbs up, please do so, man. It helps out everybody. Tonight's show is sponsored by Honey. Joinhoney.com slash off the script, man. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. Honey supports over 30,000 stores online. They range from sites that have tech, gaming products, popular fashion brands, and even 
food delivery. Imagine you're shopping online at one of your favorite sites. When you go check out, the honey button drops down, and all you have to do is click apply coupons. You wait a few seconds as honey searches for coupons that it finds for that site. And if honey finds a working coupon, you guys are going to watch the prices drop. You know, I always use this same thing, but I buy shit weekly for my fur babies, Bacardi and Bailey. Whether it's their toys, whether it's their food, whether it's new cat beds, you name it, man. Anything and everything to keep them happy. I always shop online to buy them what they need, and I always use honey, man. And I I save quite a bit, especially on their food, which I'm always ordering. They got to be happy, and I'm happy when I save some money because I'm using honey. Honey's found over 17 million members over $2 billion in savings. If you don't already have honey, you could straight up be missing out, guys. It's literally free. It installs in seconds. And by getting it, you'll, you're doing yourself a favor and you're supporting the podcast. I'd never recommend anything I don't use. So get joinhoney.com. Honey for free. Use the code. Use the link. Joinhoney.com. Slash off the scripts. And I want to thank them for once again supporting the podcast right here on Off the Script. Let's start at the top, guys. Tony Brown with a $4.99 super chat. He says, sweet booty. We had Naomi and Sasha on the show tonight, bro. You got your booty meat fill for the night. Michelle Moran with a $2 super chat. Cody versus Psycho Seth will be a banger inside Hell in a Cell. I agree. I agree. JT Golden with a 199 super chat. Can't believe Vince let Veer squash Wardlow. Laughing emoji. Just kidding. Yeah, he looked like a bargain basement Wardlow mixed with QT Marshall. Gary the New Man with a $10 super chat. He also delivers a $5 super chat with a message. My bad, forgot the message. But could we please tell the Judgment Day to stop referring to themselves in the third person? That's what they do, uh, Gary. All these heels always refer and talk in the third person, bro. Not really surprised by that at all. It's just the heel thing to do. Joseph Taylor with a $2 super chat. Raw was boring. Uh, Raw was boring, Joseph, but uh, I would go even nastier than that. Raw was egregious. Golden Boy with an eight-month membership. Thank you, Golden Boy. Hey, JD, seven months, brother. Let's keep riding it out, man, until the wheels fall off. Keep up the great work. Plus, I DQ'd myself tonight from watching Raw. Listen, bro, that's the only outcome that I would uh, accept as as a DQ. You guys DQing yourself to stop watching Monday Night Raw tonight. Thank you for the re-up, man. Eight months in the VIP club. We're happy to have you. MGM Bowling with a 1999 Super Chat. This place is honestly my safe space. I'm graduating from college tomorrow, and I can't even get excited for it because I'm stuck thinking about someone who doesn't deserve my attention. Anyways, thank you, JD, for always being there. 
MGM balling. Let me tell you something, man. I've been there, and I think a lot of people have been in that situation, man. I'm glad I could give you your safe space. Congratulations on graduating college tomorrow. And you're going to be fine, man. Just a phase in life, man. We're going to get over it. You're going to be a better person and a stronger person because of it. Don't worry about it. If this person is not giving you their attention and they're doing something to slight you, it just means that they're not good enough for you, bro. Move on. Make them regret it. Make them think about it and make them regret it. Just continue doing what you're doing, bro. Just go on and be successful. Don't worry about them. Akachi Ra with a $10 super chat. Can't wait for Bruce to give us Omas and Veer. Who's the strongest and most feared storyline? Oh, joy. Sarcasm. Can I DQ myself already before that happens, Akachi? My God, that sounds awful. Joseph Taylor with final Super Chat. JD, did you know that from 2014 through last year, PW Insider voted Monday Night Raw as the worst television show? I don't need PW Insider to tell me that it's the worst television show. I mean, now SmackDown's taking over Monday Night Raw, but it's SmackDown and Raw, number one and two. Jordan plays with a $5 Super Chat. I was at that SmackDown, and the Let's Go Sasha chant was real and was started by Pat McAfee during the break. There were a ton of kids there, too. It didn't sound real, bro. Didn't sound real at all. Shit sounded like it came in loud and then died if somebody just pushed a button and it just stopped all of a sudden. Isaiah with a $9.99 Super Chat. I decided to go to Raw because I don't get many wrestling shows in my area. Could have been worse. Bro, why are we going to Raw, man? Why are we going to Raw? You know what is going to happen. I at least had a little fun and got a five from Bel Air after it went off the air. JD, what should I drink tonight? Whatever's going to ease the pain about spending money to go to Monday Night Raw, man. I'm glad you got a little uh, a little love from Bel Air, but that is not worth the price of admission for three hours, bro. I'm just being honest. Sean Stiggers with a $10 super chat. JD, what if WWE were to create a new set of tag team belts with regular straps, have a ladder match or whatever you want for the undisputed tag team belts, and the winning tag team gets the brand new single set? Bro, do they even have tag teams to fill a fucking ladder match? The only teams right now that are on TV that mean anything are RK-Bro and the Usos. Alpha Academy's there. The Profits are there. Who else is there? New Day's out. You got the Fight Night guys, right? Sheamus and Rich Allen. I don't even consider them a tag team. I mean, it's lame. It is awful. Steven Escalante Gonzalez. Can I get a shout out for my 23rd birthday tomorrow? Steven Escalante Gonzalez. Happy birthday, brother. Everybody give uh, Steven some beer emojis in the chat. Which cheers in Steven Gonzalez for his birthday, which I'm assuming is today. Happy 23rd, brother. 
We got a $10 UK Super Chat from Raven. Yo, JD, you remember when Becky bragged about SmackDown ratings when she came back like it was thanks to her? Where is this energy now? Nobody's watching the show because of Becky Lynch, bro. Then, now, and forever. MJ with a 199 Super Chat. OTS is the savior for the wrestling community. Thumbs up. Thank you, MJ. Number one again tonight, man. I love you guys. Exclusive Vigilante with a 499 Super Chat. WWE has the worst my GM participants in TV history. I don't know if you're uh, talking about the video game or real life, bro. In real life, they probably got the worst of everything. Lauren Marie Hutton with a $5 super chat. Hey, everyone, been busy, but glad to be back to you. The best in the IWC. Raw is nothing but burials and rematches. Glad Rhea is with Judgment Day. Welcome back, Lauren. Always happy to have you in the venue. Brandon James Shea with a five-month membership. Thank you for the recommitment, brother. Monday Night Raw sucks. Absolutely. Chris Elliott with a $5 super chat. The Pittsburgh Penguins and New York Rangers game was better than Raw. Fuck the Rangers. Go Penguins. Lauren Hunt with a $2 super chat. Still hoping for RK Blow bro to RK Blow. RK Bro to split. Why wait? LOL. The split's going to happen. Just give it time. Coil Phoenix with a $5 super chat. May I ask what the fuck Becky was wearing tonight? Because those glasses were awful. Did Bruce steal the idea from the movie Mad Max or what? Uh, Coil, I, I don't know what's... Becky Lynch thinks she's doing, man. She looks fucking awful. She thinks she looks cool, but she does not look cool at all. She does not look cool at all. Uh, Jesse, I'm getting out of here, bro. Listen, uh, we have a big show Wednesday night, man. I need you rested. I need you prepared, all right? I got a message from Thunder Rosa, bro. Apparently, apparently you, you tweeted you tweeted at Danhausen. You tweeted at Danhausen, bro. Saying that you want me and Thunder Rosa cursed. I don't know. I don't know how well that's going to go, bro. You, you, you may have just spelled your demise, man. I, listen, I, you keep digging yourself a bigger grave, man. I don't know what to tell you. This fucking guy's quote tweeting Danhausen that he wants me and Thunder Rosa and Thunder Rosa's husband cursed. It's unbelievable. This guy don't know when to learn. Lauren Hunt with a 250 super chat. Do you see Cena and Austin feuding? Yes, I do. Either at SummerSlam or WrestleMania next year. Ladies and gentlemen, I am about to get out of here, man. Long night. It's going to be a long week. I will be seeing you guys tomorrow with some extra, man. So make sure you guys tune into the extra. Brand new news coming tomorrow. We got some news tomorrow. No live stream tomorrow night. 
Oh my god, Velmort's Huggings. Don't talk about Becky Lynch like that, sir. Yeah, your mother's gonna get a nice tugging on my fucking balls later. Velmore. Fuck out of here, bro. Uh, I will be live in concert with Symphony X tomorrow night, man. Michael Romeo and his guitar wizardry is gonna be in my face and in my ears, man. So no live stream tomorrow. I'll be back live with Jesse on Wednesday for the AEW Dynamite post show and the start of the Owen. Should be great. Anyway, guys, I need two things before I get out of here. Number one, give me those guitar emojis in the chat. Mustang emojis for my VIPs if you got them. And number two, I need that music on max. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you for the super chats. Hit that thumbs up if you have not done so. Let's try for 1,000 likes. And I will see you back tomorrow with some extra. And then Wednesday, back live in the venue for AEW Dynamite. Right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.